God's different than you think. We have to start out there. He's different than you think. 1 Corinthians tells us that we only see a vision of the kingdom and who God is dimly through a glass. We only get part of it, but he's different than you think. And if, if we don't acknowledge that truth that he's different than we think, then here's what we do. We create our own reinforcing echo chamber of only what we currently know about God. And we all know this verbiage around echo chambers with social media or your favorite news outlet, this reinforcing bubble of what we think we know. If we don't create space in this room that God is different, then all you will do is chase what you experienced yesterday in chapel or last week in chapel or last year or what you You'll chase what you experienced at camp or in your previous church experience. But in this space, this is sacred. And you will hear lots of people that will come here and say that. I sat where you sat 30 years ago, and I am telling you this continues to be one of the most pivotal spaces in my life, and it can be for you if, if we create the space to say that God is different. If we make this a laboratory where we come in and say, God, what do I not yet know about you and your kingdom? What has not yet been told to me by the books I read, the preachers I listen to, the music I listen to, the news that I listen to, what in your word tells me what is true and right that speaks to me and my community? God is different than you think. This is a space where spirit can meet community can meet the living, active word of God that can speak to every part of who you are and how you connect to the ordered world and the completely broken world. God is different than you think. And what we get to do is create the space in our hearts, in our lives, and right here to consider how that different can make me more whole. Now, this book is full of lots of scriptures, and in this space, you will intersect with lots of things. People will come up and they'll give you your favorite verses. Jeremiah that says, I have a plan for you. That's a good one, right? Joshua that reminds us to be strong and take courage. That's a good one, right? We love those. We love those messages. There'll be ones that you don't like so much, like to forgive your enemy, to bless those that persecute you, to be patient with your roommate, right? These are things that are a little bit harder, And if we pay attention, sometimes there's scandalous texts. And if you know me, I like the scandalous kind. (laughs) And I feel feel comfortable because you got some really solid theological teaching yesterday with the president. You'll get some even better, no offense to the president, but even deeper theological truths on Thursday and Friday. So I'm just going to mess everything up with a scandalous text found in the Second Testament. Now you maybe haven't paid much attention to this because it's one book, it's a small book, one chapter, it's very fast. You may love it in New Testament history, Second Testament, because you can get through it really quickly. But if we pay attention to it, it's saying something to us right here, right now, about how different God is and what that has to do with us. It's the book of Philemon. It's a letter written by Paul to the letter's namesake. And we're going to read just a few verses from there, starting in verse 5. Philemon 5 says this, And I keep praying that this faith we hold in common keeps showing up in the good things that we do, 
and that people recognize Christ in all of it. Friend, you have no idea how good your love makes me feel, doubly so when I see your hospitality to fellow believers. Paul continues, and in all this I have a favor to ask of you as Christ's ambassador and now a prisoner for him. I wouldn't hesitate to command this if I thought that it was necessary, but I'd rather make it a personal request. While here in jail, I fathered a child, so to speak, and here he is, hand-carrying this letter, Onesimus. He was useless to you before, but now he's useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you, but it feels like I'm cutting off my right arm in doing so, because I wanted in the worst way to keep him here as your stand-in to help me while I'm in jail for the message. But I didn't want to do anything behind your back and make you do a good deed that you weren't willingly agreed to. Maybe it's all for the best that you lost him for a while because you're getting him back now for good. And no mere slave this time, but a true Christian brother. That's what he was to me, and he'll be even more of that to you. So here's what's happening. Paul, who is incarcerated, Paul was a zealot. He was killing Christians. He encountered a God that was different. And it changed his life so much that he was so passionate. Now he's incarcerated for the gospel. And he's writing a letter to Philemon, who was a successful business person. And the way that Jesus represented changed his life, and now he's a leader in the church. And there's a third character, Onesimus, who was and is a slave to Philemon, but he intersects with Paul while he's in prison, and he becomes a Christ follower as well. So we've got a cast of three characters that are all Christ followers. Their life has all been changed by God, but God is different, and there is still work for them to do. And so Paul is saying to Philemon, hey, even though currently, culturally, societally, it is legal and even morally acceptable for you to have a slave, this is problematic in this new kingdom that introduces a new economic system where everybody can thrive, so maybe you should consider freeing Onesimus. Now, throughout history, this particular book has been scrutinized, it's been scandalized. At times, it's even been ripped out, literally ripped out of scripture. And maybe you can figure out which parts of our history this book has been problematic. Now, slavery across time and space, well, it's complicated, right? The kind of slavery that is happening here in Philemon, it's not maybe necessarily like the slavery that was part of the narrative of our nation's origin story where one group of people people are radically enslaved and dehumanized for the benefit of another group's economic gain. It's probably a little bit more like indentured servitude where someone comes into perilous debt and they can either willingly or be forced into slavery to pay off that debt. Either way, what this book starts telling us and what Paul is pointing to is that the kingdom has problems with power differential. That the kingdom has a new way to look at relationship and power should be taken into account and one group of people shouldn't get economic gain over another group of people. And so Paul is saying to Philemon, now that we're all brothers in Christ and there is a new kingdom and a new way and this different God is inviting us to see and interact with each other differently. And even with all of that, Philemon is not first and foremost about slavery. It's not even first and foremost about social justice or justice or whatever word you feel comfortable with. Philemon, like every other of the 66 books in the Protestant Bible, is about the power of the gospel to transform us. 
It is an ongoing narrative of how God is different than we are. And so we have to continually open ourselves up, whether we like what we're reading or not, to change us because the invitation is into an order, a kingdom where everybody can thrive. And so Paul, talking to Philemon, says here's some ways that we can all change. And I think not only was this important for Onesimus to become free, for Philemon to see the kingdom more clearly, but for us in this room to understand that not only is God different than what you expect, but when we follow towards that difference, even in our uncomfortability, even if your current church, your current family, your current news um, source, your current social media, even when it goes against any of those things, when we follow a different God towards a different kingdom, everybody thrives. And so here's three things that if you want to serve a God that's different, three ways that maybe you'll find that out. And the first one is that change can happen for us through deeper relationships. And there's this foundational verse in verse 6 that says this, and I keep praying that this faith we hold in common keeps showing up in the good things we do and that people recognize Christ in all of it. There's this word we twice, this idea of we. It's, hey, you and me, we have this, this relationship. And in the Greek, the concept is koinonia. And koinonia has a lot of different applications, but in general, it means Christian friendship, Christian assembly, a group of people coming together around Christ. Now, to understand the depth of this, because actually when I was a student here, we had a group called koinonia, and it was all about getting together and doing social things, and there's nothing wrong with getting together and doing social things, but Paul rarely is talking about two people grabbing a cup of coffee. He's rarely talking about just asking him or her out on a date or watching a game. Paul is pretty intense. He's an Enneagram 8 on crack, and he's always, he, right? He is, look at that's the first thing you guys respond to is something about and Paul, Paul is saying, hey, Philemon, remember what we have in common. It's not coffee at Perkins or Spy House. What we have in common is this new kingdom. This new kingdom that is changing the globe. It is sweeping the globe. It is changing individual lives. It's changing whole communities. It's setting up a new system. And it's so powerful that not only are lives changing, but also people are losing their lives for it. See, there is great, great gain, but there's also loss in this thing. This is deep, this kind of koinonia. To understand what Paul is talking about, in order to understand a different God and for us to change, in the context of this deep relationships, we have to understand koinonia. In uh, Philippians, Paul talks about koinonia. He says, I want to know God in the power of the resurrection. We all love that part. That's the Joshua, be strong and courageous. But he also says, and know the suffering of the cross. He wants to coin a Nia in the suffering. He uses the same word. And so what he's saying is, hey, this thing is important. This thing is not only important, but it's going to cost us something. He's setting this thing up saying, this is not just, hey, let's go shoot some buckets. Let's watch a game. Let's go um, play some video games. He's saying this thing that we have in common, remember, God is different. The way he's calling us to live is different. And what's at stake is different. And so... I am not unaware that everybody in this room, some of you already like me and some of you don't like me. Some of you are kind of done with chapel already two weeks into it, but I'm telling you the reason that you're done with chapel two weeks into it is because you don't believe that God's different. 
you think that God is the same thing and you haven't liked that version, but I am telling you a different God has exactly what you need and part of what you need to change and see that different God is deep relationship. To surround yourself with people that will encourage you like the gospel encourages you to be different. That the gospel calls out more out of us. The gospel maybe isn't just calling us to wealth or to safety or to comfort, but to something else. And this is what Paul is doing to Philemon, because Philemon's very, very successful, but he's saying, but what if your success isn't the only thing on the docket? What if through deep relationships we can see the kingdom more beautifully? He kind of has this, this moment where he's about to Jesus juke him. He's having this conversation with him and he's going, hey, you're a good guy. I see what you're doing, man. You are bringing people into your home. You're worshiping Jesus. You got worship live coming all the time. You're volunteering at your church in the parking ministry. But what if there's more? What if God's different? What if I can show you some other things? What if God wants to show us some other things? And I think about that because some of my closest friendships happened in this room, not just for four years while I was here, not just to be in my wedding, uh, the groomsmen in my wedding, but throughout time and space for my uh, family and for my spiritual journey, these friendships were so important. And I, I think about that, I look up right here. I work with an organization called Venture that started right out of this chapel service. And there was three students that sat up there and they heard a missionary. And that missionary talked about a need of an impoverished community. And these three students decided that out of the context of their friendship, that they were gonna do something different. They ended up biking across the country, and that was a really cool story. They raised $17,000 for missionaries, but what happened out of it, what happened out of it was an organization ended up not just starting and stopping with one bike, with one bike ride one summer, but from that time, sitting right up there, Venture has now raised over $60 million for missions and justice around the world. Yeah, out of this room out of this room because three students up there believed that God was different and they would open their mind to the different things that God might invite them to. We provided over 65 million meals to refugees. We've rescued over a thousand girls. We have planted 4,000 churches in four years because in this room, somebody said, what if God's different than what I know yesterday? out of the context of deep relationships. So you can change through deep relationships, but then the next step is that you can also change through new identity. It was in the context of relationship that, Philemon, that Paul said to Philemon, Philemon, even though you're a super successful business person, what if you consider not being a slave owner? What if you consider these new kingdom dynamics that the power differential is supposed to be equal, not who can get more on behalf of other people? or in spite of other people, or on the backs of other people. He said, what if you would consider doing something different? And I love this part of the story because the greatest stories in all of literature, I checked it out with the good doctor over here, in all of literature are stories of freedom, of slaves being liberated. It is the greatest story. of. It's why when someone comes up and talks about kids being trafficked, that you're like, we have to stop that. Because there is something in us that know that we are not meant to be in bondage, but we are meant to be free both spiritually and physically. And so here's what's happening. Paul is saying to Philemon, free Onesimus. 
And because of that, Philemon frees Onesimus. And guess what happens with Onesimus? Not only because he, does he become a freed person, not only because does he become a Christ follower and a freed person, he ends up becoming the Bishop of Byzantine. And he has been sainted across almost every denomination across time and space. Because in the context of deep relationship, somebody said, would you let somebody be new? Would you see them in their new identity? And here's what happens. One of the reasons why it's so important to be in deep relationship is because sometimes we don't see our new identity before somebody else does. Because sometimes we can't become who we're created to become without somebody else. No matter what, you don't think Onesimus already wanted to be free? He couldn't become free until Philemon freed him. And Philemon probably wasn't even thinking about it. He was just pursuing the God that he knew yesterday and needed his friend to remind him of who God wanted him to be today. Who you were yesterday is not who you are designed to be today. And I do believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but I don't believe you are. I believe that when we encounter a different God, we create space for us to become different. Through the context of deep relationships and new identities, I was listening to um, a former alum. He's a buddy of mine. He was preaching, uh, and he was talking about coming to North Central, and when he came to North Central, he transferred. He was a ball player, transferred in. And uh, when he was a ball player, we'll just call it before he was radically committed to Christ, he was a partier. He had a whole bunch of baggage. That, that's his words. Came here, and he wanted to be a Christ follower. He was a youth ministry major and a ball player. But, man, he had some residue. And I know none of you have residue. You all look super spiritual. But, but you know... This guy did, okay? So he had some residue, and so people would look at him and go, you're not a very good Christ follower, and I know nobody judges who's the super spiritual and the less spiritual. That was for a different time and space. You all are really kind about that kind of stuff. But they would look at this guy and go, ah, he's, he's a foolio. He's making stupid mistakes. Guess what? He knew that. But he said it was because of a professor that saw something different in him and his basketball team. Imagine that. Athletic teams can be Christ followers too. That pulled him that pulled him under their wings. And guess what? Old boy was preaching to his church of 15,000 people when he shared this message. 15,000 people because, because in this space, somebody saw a new identity about him. Okay, I, this isn't going to work well for the recording, but let me tell you something. There are lots of you who know you're ready to be new, and you don't know how to do it. I promise you, you can be new. Yes. Come on. Yes. Athlete, I promise you, you can be new. Yes. Person that stays up late when your roommate goes to bed and looks at things you shouldn't be looking at on your phone, you can be new. Amen. Yes. Person who believes that your identity is connected to who you date, you can be new. Yeah. But you can't do it alone. You've tried, and it hasn't worked. And so if you've tried and it hasn't worked, then maybe believe that there's a God who's different. And he has a different plan and a different design, and it's anchored in deep relationships and new identity. And this is that kind of place. And I will say this, and I'm so glad the good president is here. This place is new. We are not who we were yesterday, although I heard you tore it up. But this place is new. Let me tell you something. Our city and our country needs this place to be new. We need a different version going into this next season. And it's not a slam on anything that happened before, but we need to be new. We need to believe that a different God has a different plan for you and for this place. And we all know that the world needs to see a better version of who the church is. So that's why Philemon is so important, because we have to believe that a different God calls us to different things. And we have to also believe 
that we've got to move out of the echo chamber of what was and what we did believe, and you want me to say what you already know instead of opening up to a spirit who might tell you what you don't yet know. You can change, but it has to happen through deep relationships and new identity. And then the last one I think is the most difficult. Deep change happens through disadvantage. This is something different than what we see, what, cultural, what culture and society tells us. I like advantage, okay? I'm going to be honest with you. Most humans like advantage. I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, so I can hear Lambeau Field from my backyard. Well, hold up, hold up, because I'm, I'm about to preach. Um, so historically, when the Packers play the Vikings, you better know I wanted Chris Carter hurt. I wanted Adrian Peterson hurt. I wanted Delvin Cook hurt. You better believe I want Justin Jefferson hurt. You got to understand, I am not fully redeemed yet when it comes to the Packers. I just want advantage. I don't want both teams at full strength. I want advantage. I want to win. Of course, I don't want people hurt. I just want to win. In our family, we got five kiddos. If we cut a cookie in half, my two youngest girls, seven and eight, will run to get the bigger piece of the cookie. God's different. He says, maybe you shouldn't always take the bigger piece of the cookie. Maybe we take a little bit less cookie so other people can thrive. And for some of you that lands, for some of you that doesn't, but you have been told society tells you that everything is about your accumulation of wealth, comfort, and safety. What if it's different than that? This is one of the core things that the gospel teaches us, that Philemon teaches us. It's one of the reasons why we are so passionate about the idea of freeing people from slavery, even if it's at the expense of somebody else's wealth and comfort. We we understand that you have to give up some to get some, and in the kingdom, this is kingdom economics. What does it look like for us to be disadvantaged so that other people can thrive? What does that mean in this city? What does that mean with your roommate? What does that mean with your family? One of the things that I love about the work that we do with our international community, so we serve in some of the most difficult places on the planet, and our international partners remind me all the time of what it looks like to willingly disadvantage themselves so other people can be introduced to the kingdom. Hannah um, lives in Nepal, was raised in a village where 90% of the girls were trafficked. I'm going to say one sentence that's going to be very jarring. That means girls were raped and abused 20 to 30 times every single day. I know in a room like this, there's been a lot of pain both to women and to men, so that's all I'll say, but it is very real, and you have to understand the depth of the injustice of where we serve. Hannah's sister was abused 20,000 times before she was rescued. Hannah found safety in one of our safe homes. She was not only provided a safe place to live, she was provided education, counseling, and also was introduced to the gospel of Jesus. She, She was the first female in her entire people group to graduate from college, and because of that, she was invited to come to the U.S. and share some of her stories. She's an absolutely amazing, anointed powerhouse And because of the power and the anointing that she had while she was here, she was offered two full-ride scholarships to colleges, one right at North Central University. She she had two books written about her. She uh, was highlighted on CNN. Sorry if you don't watch that. That's a news station. Um, She was 
offered citizenship here, and she was given residence in a multi-million dollar beach home in Florida, living the dream. And then COVID hit, and she felt the gospel and the God who's different tell her something different, said, I would love to invite you. I don't think he just tells and orders. I'd love to invite you to go back and help some more of those girls who are vulnerable just like you were. And so she, she left the mansion, literally left the mansion, and went back to Nepal. And she rented, she rented an apartment 400 square feet. That's smaller than an ore field, I think. And allowed 10 girls to live with her. If you all live in an ore field, think of living with 10 women. I live with four women. Five women is too much. I mean, it's perfect. It's God's, God's different. <laughs> and she started her own organization. She started an organization that would advocate on behalf of women the way the kingdom invites her to see women. And so it started with feminine hygiene. And over the last two years, she and her team have trained 45,000 women in feminine hygiene because she left the mansion and went back and disadvantaged herself. She started an educational endowment, and this year, 27 of the most vulnerable girls who graduated from high school will be able to pick whatever college or vocational training they want because she advocated for them. Just this last year, in her spare time, she got on plane, went to India, and with her own hands, pulled girls from trafficking and rescued 10 girls on her own, just her against the pimps, in literal fist fights, because Hannah believes that God's different. That his plan is different, his invitation is different because Hannah believes that maybe the goal isn't your personal comfort, wealth, and safety. And all of those things aren't bad, but those things can get in the way of a different God. So what does it look like for us in this moment, in this space? I don't know what part of God you need to see differently But I do know this, that we have intersected with the living, breathing, active word of God that invites us to deeper relationships, that invites us to see ourselves differently with new identity and invites us to embrace this idea of disadvantage. What if we actively as a community fought against society's mold to squeeze us into this this, uh, culture of consumption, this culture of me, this culture of whatever I want, whatever, and I'll give, I'll tip some of the extra that I poop out the back, but it's all about me and what I want. What if we, as a community, read scripture and come into this place and say, God, what about you is different that I need to learn today? Because as we look at Philemon, if we look at it, we're like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need deeper friendships. They might, uh, They might sharpen me in ways I don't want to sharpen. I don't need a new identity. I'm pretty good. I'm a very good student leader. And so why would I need to grow? I'm already in administration. Why would I need to grow? I'm I'm already, I'm good. What if you don't do disadvantage because, yeah, that's for the long-haired hippie who works in nonprofit work, but I'm here to crush it, right? What if we just go, I'm good on this? Wouldn't it just kind of be like this? Yeah, Philemon's inconvenient. Could we go back to God has a plan for my life? And he does. I'm not, I shouldn't dog on Jeremiah 29, 11. It's incredible, but read the whole thing. It's very difficult, actually. And don't worry, I didn't rip out the Bible. I know some of y'all were mad. You're like, Joshua, don't ever bring him. Ichabod. I don't even know what Ichabod means, but I think it's bad. I just printed it out for this point. 
In this room, can we decide that God is different? That this is not our own personal echo chamber to reinforce everything we think we know about God, but that this place, in this city, in this moment, is a time where we need new and fresh of God. That you, that you need deep relationships, you can't do it on your own. That you are different. You are different. You have a new identity. You have a new identity. There are things about you that you've never shared with anybody else, and if you dare to talk to somebody about it, maybe they can speak new into you. And what if we are a community and a culture that doesn't pursue wealth, safety, and comfort first, but we pursue his kingdom come and his will be done. Everybody stand up right quick. One of the things I love is this is always open for prayer. And here's my prayer for you that you would just grapple with the fact that God's different than what you think he is. That you would create space for that and that you would know that this morning he's inviting you to deeper relationships where he wants to reveal himself through his spirit, through your relationships. He wants to speak new identity and he wants to invite you to a different rubric of success that doesn't prioritize wealth, safety, and comfort first, but his kingdom come and his will be done. This year, don't rip out parts of scripture. Trust a different God is going to show you different things. For his kingdom come. Have a great day.